Section 60 of Egypt, Africa, and Arabia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Farno Jahangiri. The World Story, Volume 3, Egypt, Africa, and Arabia. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 60. The Hour of Prayer in the Desert. Latter part of 19th century. By Gilbert Watson. Lightly Biskra shook off the dreams of the tropical night. The white walls of her houses showed like blanched faces in the dawn, silent as fire worshippers awaiting the sun. The fringe of palms facing the east stole on the sight, pale as phantoms motionless, their drooping leaves awash with silver. Behind the town, the oasis massed itself in impenetrable obscurity. Far off, a neutral tinted line spoke of the desert. Day after day had this line beckoned to me, decking itself in elemental jewels, like a siren seeking to please. And it was not only to the material eye that is appealed, but to that infinitely more subtle sense, the eye of imagination. That penciled line known as the horizon had been to me a daily source of wonder and speculation. Could I but reach it? Could I but see beyond it? What golden lands lost in sunlight might I not discover? A sense of mystery, almost of awe, as though one stood within the doors of some great cathedral, held anticipation breathless. It is not that which we see in life, but that which we hope to see, that causes the heart to beat and the eyes to sparkle. To my ears the word desert sounded magical, as did fairyland when I was a child. A name to conjure with, picturing forth a land full of delightful possibilities, a world of wonder shining in a heaven of dreams, and I was to see it at last. Athman had proved himself an efficient organizer. I found myself master of three camels, two as mounts for my guide and myself, the third to be used exclusively for baggage. I beamed upon them with an air of happy proprietorship. To possess camels was to my mind a fall of fortune almost too good to be true. To be able to say come and have three camels coming, and to be able to say go and have three camels going, appeared to me the height of human bliss. Envy itself could not reach higher. The only crumbled rose leaf in my bed of satisfaction lay in the fact that Abdullah, the real owner of my preambulating property, trudged in our rear, and also that the camels themselves appeared to regard me with considerable suspicion. As we moved away, my thoughts reverted to my introduction to this new world, when, on a beautiful afternoon, scarce a week ago, I had caught my first glimpse of the desert. It was an experience I was little likely to forget, and now that I was actually embarked on the high sea of sand, my memory rested on that salient moment with conscious pleasure. Alcantara, the gateway to the desert, lay before me, the beautiful golden gate which many a traveler had delighted to extol. Behind in the desolate valley the hot metal of the gauge winks defiance to the African sun, a sterile and unproductive land bearing its nakedness to the day, but in front the semicircle of cliffs is rent in twain as though a titan's axe had cleft their granite bones, leaving the wound a subject of marvel to all eternity. And gazing through this giant gate over a blur of sunlit oasis, one sees the desert. Another scene, too, connected inseparably with that radiant afternoon returned to me. 
standing in the river bed of the Oued Biskra, with my back towards the desert, I had looked northwards. Among the boulders that mirrored themselves in the stream were two Arab boys. Overhead, a palm tree bent above the water and gazed at itself in the little pools that lay arrested among the rocks. In the background, the scene opened not with the sheer abruptness, the brusque violence of the cleft as seen from El Cantara, but with the gentle suavity of introduction, leading the eye along shining waterways between lines of palms onwards, upwards to where, in the blue of the distance, the hills slept in a mantle of sunbeams. Slowly, we left Biskra behind us. Life was beginning to awake in the drowsy streets. A dog crept from under a clump of aloes. A child watched us from behind a cactus hedge, while overhead in the clear spaces of the sky, a band of swallows wheeled ceaselessly. As we passed a negro village, we met an Arab mounted on a diminutive donkey, driving two other donkeys before him as the twelve tiny hoofs pattered along the mane. The dust rose in dense clouds. It obscured the distance, it veiled the bamboo hedge, it shrouded the little party in a diaphanous mist of silver. There was something extremely dainty in the diminutive animals and their dusky owners. Seen thus in the dim light, they resembled silver point drawings, mere indications of life, silhouettes sketched with a wet and speedy brush on a background of pearl. Silently we stalked forward, the sponge-like feet of the camels and the sandals of the Arab passed inaudibly over the dusty ground. Gradually the desert opened out before us. It dawned upon the sight from between faint headlands of verdure. To the right, Aelia and Philia, two small oases, showed like islands of misty greenery floating in a sea of pale grey light. Volcanic rocks suggesting the action of primeval fires lay tossed around interspersed with dwarf bushes powdered with silver dust. The camels avoided these obstacles with the leisurely grace of movement peculiar to them, swaying their long necks pendulously and placing their feet with care on the level ground between the ruts. The air was exquisitely cool and clear, its purity, freshness, and faint odor as of thyme breathed of infinite space. A sense of solemn expectancy pervaded the scene. In the far distance a herd of camels was to be observed. At times they appeared but as slowly moving dots, and at others they stood out hard and sharp against the skyline. Once we met a family proceeding Biskra wards. They attracted the eye from afar on account of the glint of color that focused attention. I gazed at them as we approached, gazed as we passed, turned in my saddle and gazed again as they receded into the distance. It seemed to me that I could not gaze my fill, that the time taken in the encounter was all too short to sear them upon my memory. So picturesquely did they stand out in trenchant contrast to their surroundings. Foremost came an Arab mounted on a donkey. He was clad in a bareness of a dirty gray color, the hood of which partially concealed his face. His long and naked legs dangled but a couple of inches above the dust of the road. He returned my stare with a look of utter indifference. Behind him paced a camel laden with sacks, cooking utensils, and baskets. Perched high upon these family gods were two semi-naked children clutching a couple of fowls. Over the camel's body, in lieu of a saddle-cloth, trailed a party-gallet sheet of alternate red and yellow stripes. In the rear plodded a woman dressed in an orange robe, 
a baby bound upon her back when we were come within a few yards of her she raised her head her eyes fell on us with a dull unmeaning stare as though she had long since ceased to take interest in objects beyond the pale of her sad and sordid life she gave us but a fleeting glance to enable her to avoid us then her eyes dropped again to the dust she was unveiled and of pitiable plainness a face old before its time seamed with many wrinkles she walked with a limp one naked foot partially covered with a bandage showed signs of blood and her air was the air of one both despondent and weary the child upon her back wailed but she had no time to steal its cries for already the steady advance of the animals had left her many yards behind slowly they crept into the distance the donkey picking its way daintily among the ruts the camel with a stately motion and outstretched neck the woman limping with bent back and downcast eyes the sun rose and deluged the plains with light barely had his upper rim showed in a line of fire above the horizon then at a cry from their master the camels came to a standstill the man strode forward and hanging onto the neck of atman's mount brought the animal to its knees it is out of prayer said atman i watched them as my camel cropped the terebinth shrubs by the wayside watched them with a feeling of alienation conscious that from their spiritual world from their inner life i was indeed an outcast destined to remain forever in an atmosphere of semi-comprehension atman's love of finery revealed itself even in his devotions he unfastened the parcel from behind his saddle which when unrolled proved to be a small praying rock this he spread on the ground not on the track where the dust lay deep but on the higher and firmer ground among the shrubs discarding his burners and kicking off his yellow slippers he stepped in his white socks on the mat and stood erect at the distance of a couple of yards with naked feet stood abdullah the contrast between them was striking the one with dark rough hewn face and splendid figure the other with fine arab features his weather-worn frame gone to emaciation the one in a pale mauve costume lined with crimson his jacket stiff with embroidery and bright with rows of glass buttons the other covered only with a gray burnous ragged and dirty beyond words <sighs> i watched them prostrating themselves until their foreheads touched the ground rising to their full height prostrating themselves anew and gave ear to the subdued sounds of prayer flowing ceaselessly from their lips the sun circled even higher his beams fell full on the two men and flung their shadows far across the dust of the track the red lining of atman's jacket glowed like a thing of flame nearby the camels waited in attitudes of inimitable patience there was something singularly impressive in the simplicity of their devotions the absence of self-consciousness the unfeigned earnestness the force of long habit that concentrated attention upon a set form of words accompanied by a set form of movements all were calculated to strike the least observant these men insignificant in themselves were yet part of a spiritual power so mighty as to ring the world with prayer al-islam was awake at that self-same hour far beyond our vision over leagues of untraversed space countless voices were raised in supplication countless eyes were turned with longing to the radiant east the sight of the holy city symbolized perchance within simple minds by the invariable brightness and majesty of the rising sun 
from populous cities, from obscure villages, from oases lost in the Sahara, from caravans far out in the desert, the cry was still the same. Allah! Allah! It rose and fell. The melodiousness of the word lulled the mind, it soothed the soul, it whispered of divine protection. Was it not the angel of hope fluttering her rainbow wings even within the sanctuary of the spirit? Allah! It came again stealing through the sunlight vibrating around us in waves of sound we were no longer alone all the little voices of the desert awoke into praise it was as if a thrill of gladness ran through the weary earth there was a joyous presence in the morning that made itself felt that a sturdy hearty worship of their own accord my lips to frame the universal prayer allah i murmured allahu akbar allah allah Yes, truly, God is great. End of section 60. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Farno Jahangiri.